Um, so all my life, I'm very interested in entrepreneurship just because I don't think like I'm the most uh, smartest person in the room. And the only way, you know, you can catch up or make a... I mean, if I were to climb the red race, um, I would definitely lose for sure, 100%. <laughs> so... Good day, guys. Today, I think we have a legend in the house, okay? I legit think it's pretty amazing like, because, you know, he completed his degree in chem, built his own tech business, you know, move on to other startups and work until he dropped and went on this, like, hike to Everest. I'm like, what the hell, right? Like, who does all this, right? And it sounds like this must be some Ang Mo, right? And the media will frame because it's amazing success story, you know? But that is not the truth. Reality is, you know, he has limited coverage and I got to know him through a friend post-production guy Harry and we were actually all childhood friends of some sort so I remember seeing him in my friend's classroom <laughs> but I don't exactly know him so I'm very happy to have him on the show today to share with us you know his experience comparing from live different angles and why does he choose to do what he does today so let's welcome Mr. Randall Chong thank you so much um, it's my you know it's my pleasure to be here to tell our story um, always finding ways on how I can better share our story to the public so um, I'm happy to be here Thank you, thank you. So what made you transit like into social enterprise? Like why why social enterprise? Um so there's two big transition, right? Um if you're talking about why did I transit from the the for-profit world, that means you know I spent the last five years working in for-profit com- companies into this uh you know the social impact world. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Or um, transiting from a charity model to a social enterprise model. So which one are you um, more interested to know? So I think it's a two-step thing, right? That means yeah. you probably transited to a charity first. Yes. And then you change it to a yeah, correct. social model, correct. right? So I'm more interested in the why a charity first. You know, I, I talk about this, you know, in, uh, on our site and stuff. The, I spent the last five years just um, super interested in building companies. Um, so all my life, I'm very interested in entrepreneurship just because I don't think like I'm the most uh, smartest person in the room. And the only way, you know, you can catch up or make a... Re- I mean, if I were to climb the red race, um, I would definitely lose for sure, 100%. <laughs> okay. So um, I thought the only way I could do something different or potentially, you know, become rich, that was my goal last time, was to dive into entrepreneurship. And so that was my goal. I spent the last five years in different startups, uh, learning the ropes. And then um, eventually got a major burnout. Because when you're in startup, you it's not like, you know, five days a week, nine to five stuff, right? You Seven days a week, you grind and you get paid little. You know, they always give you shares and stuff. Do you like, even call that pay? No, <laughs> I you don't know, even, I don't it's even call not that really pay. pay. It's called allowance. Yeah, okay, bro. allowance. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you get allowance, but they expect you to work around mm. the clock and stuff. Um, so in my last job, I was flying a little bit too much, had a little bit... Uh, just have too much meetings and calls and all the responsibilities and stuff. And I think right after two years, I got a major burnout. That was the first time I started to get a bit anxious about work. Uh, I know that 
I, I, I started to get anxieties because I hated, you know, the, the Monday blues, right? It was very bad for me. I just hated to go to work, hated to see people, um, bad mood. And then that mood kind of goes back to the people I'm close with. Like, you know, I vent my anger, my parents and stuff like that. So um, I decided that I wanted to take like uh, a sabbatical leave. Took a one month sabbatical leave. And my only goal back then was to, um, uh, to go somewhere far where, uh, you know, I won't get any messages or emails and kind of escape all the Monday morning meetings. And, uh, and also right about that time, I uh, had a personal challenge to do one thing that scares me the most that year. And that challenge somehow took me solo backpacking to Everest Base Camp. Uh, that was after I realized if you spend two weeks walking in the Himalayas, you get to see Mount Everest. I never thought that was possible. That's what I did. And... Uh, you know, it was during part of the track that I saw things that I, you don't really usually see, especially from someone living in Singapore, right? You see things like, um, why are kids not in school? Why don't they have access to clean water? Why are the girls so young? Why are they in the farms and stuff like that? So a lot of different questions. Uh, and then after that, I was later invited to visit like a rural school somewhere in Northeast Nepal. And, um, the, I, I still remember when I got there, there was this grandmother who would walk like two hours uphill just because she thought, um, she heard there was a mysterious Singaporean guy would come in to visit her village. And, you know, just all these stories made me think like my purpose. There I was in Singapore, you know, my only goal was try to maximize shareholder value, right? Every day we were thinking about, okay, how can we make the most money? Not necessarily thinking about impact or value we are creating to our, our customers, right? We're always thinking and discussing in the boardroom, like, okay, how can we squeeze the most money of our customers, whether or not they are getting the value? And the end goal is so that our investors will be happy and then get to pump in more money for the company. So I've been in a lot of different startups. Unfortunately, most of them are the same, right? At one point, it's all about investors. If you take investors' money, it's always been the case. And there's very little company that would, um, you know, channel the money into real good, right? For the people at the bottom of the pyramid and stuff like that. So I wanted to start an organization that would do just that. And so I decided to leave my job. And honestly, at that point of time, I had no plans to start a charity. I just wanted to start an organization that would solve that problem, right? To channel the money in the right places. What's, to, what's that problem that you're talking about? Uh, like I say, the big problem I, I feel with most companies out there is that the, the main goal is to make the shareholders richer, right? We get a lot of money. How can we make the most money and then make the rich people get richer? Okay, so at, at what point did that thing become a concern? Because yeah. my, my view is uh, a lot of... S- Startup people, they yeah. they they join startups because they think they want to get rich, right? Correct. So they have no big problems, no big qualms with capitalism. In right, that sense, sure, right? of course. And, and uh, what happens is after they join the circle of startups, then yeah. they go through all the shiny things, right? Yeah, go correct. for events, meet mentors, talk to investors, blah, 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 those kind of stuff. Yeah. Not exactly productive, yeah. but very shiny, right? Correct. So they get led around yeah. all these things. And it's, it's not every day that I hear people that tell me that okay i had enough of that mm. at, so at what point do you think that oh this is quite bullshit yeah that's a great question um i think for me personally was like um kind of seeing the the effect of you know poverty in in all these developing countries and thinking like you know there i was in where i was working um you know we 
making so much money, but going in the wrong places. And then in these places, um, if we were to channel the money in the right places, right, we can actually make real impact, create real value. And that was kind of the, the, the point I started to think like, maybe I've been using my business acumen in the wrong places, right? I've been, um, you know, all, all, all I ever knew back then was, um, you know, one day I want to become rich, right? But there's still like a void inside of me that, okay, what's next after I become rich, right? Um, what's the purpose of money, right? So yeah, for me, I think that point really comes when, you know, I was in the, when I was tracking and seeing things that I saw. Okay. So yeah. Wait, you, you said about like the purpose of money. Yes. Right. So, you know, yeah, we run a financial literacy show. So right. purpose of money is always a question, right? So yes. I'm curious, what is your thought of, you know, what is the purpose of money in yeah. your view? So in my personal view, I think um, money is a very powerful tool, but it's something that can create a lot of change and impact in the world. And the purpose, uh, at least for me, I think money is to be able to use it and create change, you know, for, to solve real global problems in the world. Okay. Where does money sit in your life? Like, what right. is the purpose of money in your life? Right. Okay, for me, I think money gives me um, a sort of freedom to spend on things that I think it's um, that I think is important in my life, and they're not just you know trying to change the world and stuff, right? The most important thing, of course, is to make sure that uh, we will never have to be uh, you know stressed out over financial issues at home. Um, when somebody falls ill in my family and stuff, we have the, we, we, I have the capability to make sure that I protect, you know, the people that's closest to me and then get on, go on to do things that I love. And I think at least for a lot of my friends, when you ask them why they, they, they are working and, and, and stuff, a lot of them tell you like, I need the money. Right. And then, you know, they'll buy things that they don't need. Um, but they are not willing to leave their job because, you know, they have to buy all these things and sustain their lifestyle and stuff like that. And then because of that issue, they hold on to jobs that they, they don't enjoy doing just because of the money. So when you actually have money, then you kind of remove that barrier and really take that out of the equation and then like what's after money, Okay, right? so what's, what's after, after money? money. Right. Essentially, that is where you're standing. Yeah, and I think a lot of people have been like, okay, first I got to chase the money, right? Got to chase mm -hmm. the money and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then once I get the money, then, okay, let's talk about, like, my purpose. Like, what do I want to chase? And I'm kind of like, okay, I, I look beyond money. I don't have all the money in the world right now, but I, I look from, you know, the final stage and I kind of work backwards. Mm. I imagine myself having all the money in the world and then what would I want to do and ask myself that question. And for me, I want to run, like, a foundation, right, that would be able to invest in other, you know, non-profits around the world mm. doing big changes, and when I tell people that, they always say, okay, but you got to be like Bill Gates first, right? You got to make, you know, a billion dollars and then you can leave your job and then start a foundation. But I think if I were to bet on that, chances of becoming a billionaire is very, very low. I'd rather just, you know, immediately start a foundation and you actually don't need a lot of money to start one. Um, you can figure out how to generate uh, consistent money, you know, through a business model and stuff. So I started from my end goal and I kind of worked backward. Um... And so far, uh, you know, it's been, it's been very fulfilling. Uh, maybe the money is not as much as when you are working in the for-profit world, but um, the purpose is pretty strong here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a common 
let me put it this way. It's a very common observation that I have when I talk to social ent- entrepreneurs. Right? Yeah. It's, it's always this perceived choice between making money, yeah. making impact. Sure. Right? It always sounds like there is this dilemma. Yes. Right? So do you think this is a false dilemma? Mm. Can we ever reach a point where social entrepreneurs actually make the same? Like it doesn't need to feel like a, like a you know, financial discount yeah. on your part, on your life. Yeah while churning the impact right. on, on society? Now, that's a really, really good question because I struggled with that for the first two years when I started. I don't think I have the perfect answer for this, but here's my, my view on this. I don't think just because you work in a social enterprise, a charity or non-profit, you should pay peanuts. In fact, I think um, the world needs more talent in the social entrepreneurship space. And, you know, um, talents like these have to pay their bills. So we should not discount the fact that um, uh, you know, running an organization and going to things like hiring overheads and stuff, including salaries, um, should ever be discounted. I think just like any for-profit company, you know, maybe the CEO of a big charity running a, doing great work should have the same kind of salary as a CEO running a Fortune 500 company. I think the difference is in the shares in, you know, when you're talking about for-profit organizations, unfortunately in charities and social entrepreneurships, uh, like social enterprises, there are no such thing as like how much shares does the founder has and stuff. And if anything, can the company exit or go IPO and stuff? There's no such thing. So you will never be able to cash out billions and millions of dollars and raise money in, you know, the, the, the stock exchange and stuff. But in terms of just like regular paycheck, paying for your skills, for your time, um, a social entrepreneur should be paid as well as, you know, like a, I, I say, like a CEO from a 500 fortune company. It's just you would never be able to sell your charity or your social company and, you know, flip a, a billion dollars from that. Yeah. So that's probably a difference. Mm. Okay. So I'm going to pose you a difficult question. Sure. Okay. Please. So um, I have spent some time in the social enterprise space. I've mm-hmm. met a lot of social ent- entrepreneurs. and. Yes generally speaking, there are two bunch of them. Okay, right. So one, of course, everybody likes to split people into two groups. Yeah. Right? But anyway, generally, there are two bunch, right? So one bunch are the more, the really very entrepreneurial people. So they're business-centric, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And then they, they are looking for a touch of, you know, um, social responsibility. Yes. You know, a touch of feeling good. Yes. And then there's this other bunch of people that are like all about good. Right. You know, and they suck at doing business. Okay, right. for like a better way to put it, right? So yeah. like, I'm sure you've met enough of them. Yeah. Right. And um, my concern is that a lot of these uh, entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. they're not very entrepreneurial. Like they don't yeah. understand that we are weaving it into a capitalistic system. Yes. That means inevitably there is a price mechanism, there yes. is a market mechanism. Yes. And some of these models that the social enterprise are doing. Yes are bound to fail because yep. they just cannot make, you know, they don't make ends meet. Lah. Yep, exactly. Right? right? So from that view, mm-hmm. do you think what you're trying to do fits the potential of making it profitable? Right. Okay. That's a, again, a very, very good question. So I learned it the hard way. Um, so when I first started um, Books Beyond Borders, the organization that I run, 
um, it was all like, okay, I just want to raise as much money as I can. No business models. Feel good, yeah, right? Feel Shang, good. Well, do good things. Exactly. Kind of, I know, I know. Um, just do good, like screw the business model. I can survive on eating, you know, a plain bread and, you know, and biscuits <laughs> and stuff. It sounds um, like every... Yeah, right. So... Oh, my God. Okay, yeah. Anyway, yeah, you say, you say. <laughs> so the first year, it went great, right? Mm. Feel good feeling. Everyone's like, oh, you're so noble and stuff. Second year, you know, you start to get a bit tiring and when you start asking for donations you start to lose some friends some families and then moving on a third year now this year um everyone's like okay man you know you gotta start making your own money we're not gonna give you money every single year <laughs> and then you get tired and um if there's one thing i learned is that in order to do good you gotta do well right so you gotta make good money so back to your question um I think for those entrepreneurs that just all about doing good, but don't have the business acumen to run an organization, um, it's going to be very difficult to scale, right? And if you look at nine out of 10 nonprofit slash charities in Singapore, um, they are always small, serving, you know, small communities. Um, and, you know, if you put them on the same stage as a for-profit organization, they cannot compete. Um, they don't have the ability to hire designers, developers, you know, um, and stuff like that. They just kind of like play the, the guilt game. Like, oh, you know, we're serving this. We need donations and stuff. The, like the problem with that is it doesn't scale. And I, I think the real organization, the real social enterprise that have, you know, huge potential to become successful should operate like just another for-profit organization. So what we learned uh, in the first one and a half years was this, right? That we cannot just focus on raising money and then put all the money and then fund projects, but like how do we pay our bills? How do we hire people and stuff? So starting this year, um, that was the main reason why we shifted into a social enterprise model. Um, we decided not to ask for donations anymore. It was a big, huge um, step towards moving away from the charity model and focus on you know running this uh, second online bookstore. Uh, the difference right now is we give 100% of our net profits. And that means we first make sure that we can cover business expenses, um, get ourselves a salary, have, you know, uh, and invest whatever that is necessary to grow the business and compete in a for-profit world. And then use our net profit to fund our projects. Um, so this will allow us to have the, uh, uh, you know, the, the money, to, to invest in things that will allow us to stay competitive in the market. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so I think we're on the right track so far. Um, business has been great, yes. uh, mainly because, you know, in CB, everyone's decluttering their home. Uh, everyone's uh, uh, starting to read more books. Libraries are not really open. So business has been great. That's good. Right. That's good. Yeah, I mean... I mean, some of these models, like the ones that are selling, wait, I'm just randomly going to pluck some sure. things that I remember, right? Sure. The ones that are selling the bamboo straws. Yeah. I think those are going to work. Right. Uh, or the ones that are, gonna, that are selling, like, um, I think the banana leaf packaging or something like that. Those things are going to work. Right, right. Because right. there are the underlying cause, you know, for you know, sustainability. Sure. That's one of the social good, right? Right. That, that's going to work, right? Right. And, they can run the traditional models, right. you know, such charge a premium for for the social sure. good. Uh, but it's proven and it's 
it's probably working better. Right. Right. And then there are many other guys in the game that are, you know, just more vuvu lah. Right. right. And, and exactly. It's just not gonna just not gonna work as well. Right. Um, but but that's that, right? Sure. I, I think more I think what our audience would be very interested to understand mm-hmm. is that from what I gather, what mm-hmm. you just said is that you don't actually take a full salary yet. Yeah. Right. In in your startup, right, right at this point in time. And given that, you know, how do you then, you know, live your life in that sense, right? Do yeah. you practice the, the whole like frugality thing? Sure. Or how does that work for you? Right. right? Okay, for me, um, then I'm, I'm extremely frugal. I'm extremely frugal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it's not because I'm running a social enterprise. I would think that even if I'm running a for-profit startup, a tech startup, anywhere in the world, I would... Um, behave the same. I wouldn't take a full salary until the company is more stabilized, right? So when I was working in the few different startups I was before, I was taking kind of like the same benchmark salary as a founder. Can you just give us some idea? Like, can we get a ballpark number? Sure. Right now, I'm taking about 800. Yeah. Really? 800 per month. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, for the first two years, I have never taken a cent off the organization. Mm. Okay. Uh, so this was the first year after starting our online bookstore, I started taking $800. And so far, you know, um, given the lifestyle that I'm leading right now, I can live with that. Uh, so what do you, what is it that you want to know? You want to know how I spend it or? Yeah, sure. Okay. It'll be interesting. So, $800 in Singapore, yo. Yeah, right, right, yeah. right. You can actually do a lot. I'll show you how yeah. much you can do. So $200 uh, goes to my insurance plans and, you know, have cover my medical stuff. So in case anything goes wrong, $200 goes to my mom. Um, yeah. So okay, left 800 with, you still can contribute 200 yeah. to family. Okay, that's respectable. That's uh, non-negotiable. Okay. Um, because I don't want it to look like I'm trying to go out and save the world and, you know, I'm not bringing any money home. So, okay. so um, that's a personal that's commitment, right? Exactly. To, to the family. Right. Okay, that's cool. So I'm left with 400 Um, and I, you know, there are things that I think is necessary to cut down. I cut down, for example, transport. Early on when I started Books Beyond Borders, I bought a bicycle. So I basically ride everywhere I go. Um, And there are a few things that I spend on, for example, on nutrition. Um, I kind of eat the same thing almost every single day. Um, How does that look like? Honestly, yep. not, not many people tell me nutrition. I don't, <laughs> I don't hear the word nutrition. I only hear food, okay? Right. Like I spend $200 on food, right? So yeah. nutrition, no, no, tell me, tell me, how does that so work? So I'm big, uh, I'm quite big on making sure my uh, nutrition is good enough for me to, uh, so that I don't fall sick. So I pretty much eat the same thing every morning, every afternoon, every night. I'm, I'm very great. I'm, I'm very, very lucky that my mom cooks at night every day. So, you know, I don't have to pay for buying buyouts. So every morning I eat the same thing. It's been years. You know, I, Which blend, is? I blend my breakfast. Wait, you blend? I your blend my breakfast. Okay, okay, okay. Tell so us, tell us. I have um, organic oatmeal, whey protein. I have almond milk. So that's my drink every morning. And so then, that's the only thing? No, and then I uh. eat um, just eggs and homegrown lettuce. You grow lettuce at home? Yeah. Okay, guys, you know where to get food, <laughs> huh? Okay. And um, a little bit of tomatoes uh-huh. and uh-huh. organic rat, like burrito wraps. Oh, I heard rat. I was like, no, no, no. Organic no, no. rat? <laughs> Who is rat? No. Okay, okay, rat. Rats. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Um, 
made from kale and That's spinach. That's actually a lot of very high quality. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm quite big on making sure I get whole food in. So okay. I try to avoid like, you know, the, the processed food and mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, in the afternoon, you know, it's just like either chicken or uh, salmon, broccolis, egg and just brown rice. How much do you spend on nutrition? Uh, probably about like 200 plus a month. You can spend 200 plus and eat all that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Um, Sing Shiong, is it? Yeah, just <laughs> Sing Shiong, you know. But, you know, for my organic veg, I usually go to like um, uh, like NTUC finance or like little farms. Mm, mm. And, uh, and in the afternoon, like around 3 p.m., 4 p.m., I have a smoothie blend. So I drink like kale and berries and kiwi and just like a veg slash uh, fruity. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's really inspiring. Like $200, <laughs> you can eat like that. You sound yeah. like you're in Cali, you know? Like the, <laughs> you know, like the, like the, woo! You know, very, very, um, the whole health thing, right? And, I, and I think the people spend money on food is because they go out and then they buy, you know, that little cheesecake and that, that, that little donut and stuff. But mm. if you really buy in bulk, right? All these nutrition food and stuff. And then you like literally don't go out and buy all the cheesecakes and all the little cute muffins that cost $10, $20. Then honestly, man, it can last. Yeah, you just got to make sure that you are very disciplined in um, your food intake. And that's, uh, that's for me, it's, uh, you know, it's very, very disciplined. That Crazy. crazy. <laughs> okay, that's, that's real cool. And um, I hope you guys are inspired. <laughs> $200 huh? can call nutrition, okay? Just say. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. All right, so <laughs> thanks for sharing. We will take a break. And after the break, we'll come back to maybe just have you share with us your journey sure. from like maybe cam all the way to like now okay so okay. We'll, we'll come back with you guys shortly after see ya so for all you guys who didn't know like we are actually kind of like childhood friends but we don't know each other back then <laughs> la, huh? so so from what i know like this crazy guy like he actually finished university while in cam yeah right like while we were in ns you know i was rotting around la, right right like every one of you right i know right and then and then this guy finishes uni in camp could you just kind of share with us like how does that work like are you like in a rush yeah of some sort so the funny story was um so i actually always wanted to be like an officer right uh, while i was in bmt <laughs> i was one of the few guys that so I always wanted to be an officer and stuff and um, right after BMT when I got my posting um, I don't know is it luck or misfortune they posted me to Air Force to be a driver and I was so depressed right I felt like I wasn't good enough um, and I was just so ashamed to tell my friends that were well, not as fit as me they were like at least a sergeant and I became a driver in the Air Force oh. And uh, the good news, I mean, the flip side was that I realized that I get to book out every single day. So, you know, very different from a lot of people. And um, I thought, okay, now I got to make good use of that, 
right? I might spend, you know, nine to five in doing something I hate, but I still got after hours to catch up. So I thought, you know, might as well take this time to, um, to take a, you know, my bachelor's. And then when I complete it, um, I get to start doing the things that I want to do. Whereas most people after they already, um, they then wait for their uni to start and then spend the next three to four years, you know, in school and stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm a little bit quicker. Okay. Yeah. So it sounds like you're in a rush. Do you feel, do you feel like you're in a rush or were you, were you just trying to like make, make your time useful or something? Um, so I'm very competitive person in nature. I mean, if you're my friend, you probably know that, um, I was always thinking like, okay, how can I be quicker? Right. How can I complete faster? And that was again, um, why I decided to become an entrepreneur because I knew that if I would try to compete with all the JC, uh, you know, students and all the people I see the eye rolling, the eye rolling, right. JC students. <laughs> And all the NUS, SMU and stuff, like I would not be able to compete with them, right? So, um, and that's the main reason why I chose entrepreneurship. And that was also the main reason why I wanted to be, you know, a little bit quicker than everyone else. So it was not so much about getting the degree. Um, I just wanted to make sure that I got it out, I get it out of the way and then continue to pursue uh, entrepreneurship. So from there, you went on to to do your own yeah. tech company, right? Correct. And that was also your way of like being faster, more competitive, Correct. right? Correct. In that sense, right? So yeah. how, how was that experience? So while I was in the army and taking my bachelor's, I actually started um, my first company um, selling software services. And what we did was we would go to different companies and we would help them build softwares and mobile applications and websites. Um, and we charged them a fee. Um, well, I was, a, I think I would call myself a good salesman. Like, um, we managed, you know, I managed to make quite a bit of money, um, convincing people to take up the services with us because we have a full development team in Singapore, but actually all our developers are, you know, in developing countries like India and, you know, in Vietnam and stuff like that. So I was trying to do that for two years and while the money was great, um, I also learned a few things about myself. So I didn't enjoy as much as I thought. Um, I would, you know, becoming an entrepreneur um, because every single day I had to deal with like angry customers. Same thing, um, uh, you know, I would... I know, I know. You know what I mean? Because my approach was very different, right? It was always like, how can I try to squeeze the most money out of you selling things that you actually don't need Mm. just so that, you know, I can make the most profit. So yeah, the money was great, but again, I hated going to work. I hated you know, meeting my customers. It wasn't something I enjoy. Um, I would convince people to take up our services even though they don't really need it. And, um, and you know, I guess that was also kind of like the first spark, noticing like I may not be that interested in, like 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 money wasn't the biggest motivator for me, right? I, I made, you know, quite a bit of money back then, but um, just wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. So I decided to, join different startups to see how other founders are building their organization because that was my very first uh, startup company. And um, while there was a lot of great lessons, um, I I just felt that I needed to know how, you know, other organizations are building theirs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then that's why after that, I decided to join, I think about two to three more startups. Okay. And during the two to three startups, like, so you, you you went from like working for yourself, trying to like, win this capital game sure right essentially right, right. You, you you just 
uh, chong lah, right? Essentially, right? And mm-hmm. you do what you need to do and you build a company that was decently successful, you were making money, you were like riding, but you're uncomfortable. Yeah. So then you decide to work with others, you yeah. know, to just kind of see how life is. Correct. Right. Um, how did that feel? All right. Because I think a lot of people are trying to decide whether, you know, I want to do my own business. Yeah. I don't want to work for someone. Right. right, and, right. Uh, it's not always that we, you know, you have people that have actually done their own business. Right. Also work for other people. Correct. Right? Correct. So, so what are your thoughts on that? So for me, um, I knew very, very early that I always, I would want to work for myself. So that shift, after my, I, I shut down my first company to work for someone else was that I had a rule that I would leave within two years. Actually, I told all the companies that I'm joining, I'll leave. Like two years is the maximum for me. I'm here to learn. And then I'm going to start my company. I made it super clear to all the startups that I joined. Um, so my approach when I went into all these companies were like, yeah, you know, I don't really care so much about the salary. I just want to learn. And then if I'm not learning, I'm going to leave, right? I made it very, very clear. So yeah, I, re- I always kno- knew that I wanted to do something on my own. It's just a matter of time and what kind, you know, business I want to launch and stuff. So I, I, I don't know if I can fully, un- you know, answer that question on behalf of so many people who want to move from one area to another, you know, one industry to another industry, like from entrepreneurship to just working for someone else. Because I know for sure for me, it's always going to be some sort of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because like, from what I know with entrepreneurs, yep. right, generally people fall in two camps. Yep. Right. So, okay, I'll hear two camps again. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll camp, like, but anyway, so there'll be a bunch of them that um, are very big on entrepreneurship. Yeah. Like you will promote, like you must do it, you know, you must be an entrepreneur, test it out, you know, live your life, blah, blah, yeah. blah, all those kind of stuff. Right. right. And and then that there's the other camp that will be like, don't, don't do entrepreneurship. Yeah. Go and do your job. Do what you need to do. Yeah. And so where do you stand on this? Like, what is your take? Um, well, I'm kind of like in the middle, right? So I don't think entrepreneurship is for everyone. I know there are friends that uh, just are not made for it, right? And I think... Who what, is made for it? Like, like, what are some characteristics that you think... Yeah. If you have this, try to be entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, so you definitely got to be... You know, you got to have greed and like discipline. I think what a lot of people don't understand like about Like eating the same food every day. Like. Yeah, you know. Right, right? <laughs> very disciplined. Like, every day, yeah. same thing, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, you, you know, it boils down to almost everything. Not just discipline to work, but, you know, discipline to, you know, spend time taking care of yourself, you know, just discipline in general in person, right? And of course, you know, it boils down to little things like your financial. So I think at least how I see it is um, someone just... To me, the, the biggest, uh, you know, factor of anyone who want to consider going to entrepreneurship is just like, do you have to greet, right? It's not something that you you can come in and then like, oh, okay, you know, just want to test my, you know, test test the water and then like leave in, in, in a few months and stuff. Mm. Because things don't work and things rarely work in one or two years. You know, there are, I know people that have been in the game for like five, six, seven, eight years and just barely making it right mm-hmm. um so whether or not you want to make those kind of sacrifice or you want to kind of you know and it's nothing wrong with just working for someone else right if you enjoy the job if you're happy and if you feel purposeful going to work every single day then you know there's just why why change things mm. it's only if you're unhappy with your current situation then maybe you know um try to go another route yeah, fair, fair. And actually, I, 
I came from this camp for for quite a while. Yeah. In the sense that I'm like, um, maybe you should just work your job, right? Yeah. Because because being an entrepreneur, you know, right? right? You know the kind of challenges that will will come. Yeah. You know, and that the the uncertainty and yeah. you know um. All these little little things that you thought you knew, right? But once you're there, it's like oh, like all wrong, huh? Yeah, yeah. Right. So yep. you know, there's a lot of discovery in this process. So yes. I, I get the whole idea about grit, discipline, right? Blah blah blah. But I don't. At this point in time, I I'm I'm a bit different. Yeah. At this point in time, I'm coming from the like like you said, don't test the water. Yeah. But I think you should test the water. Right. Right. So you come in, test the water a few months. What you need to know is mm. you need to be cognizant about whether you fit the environment. Right. And not not join the environment thinking that you don't fit. Right, right, right. So, right. come in, test it out. And yes, as a shout out, if you want to be entrepreneur, I I actually support you. I right. think you should come in, test it out, see if it works for you. And if it doesn't work for you, you can take a leave. Sure. Right. The five right. to six year guy, no shit happening. <laughs> then do do just you know pivot somewhere that right. works. Right. So. Sure. Don't be blinded by it. And also yeah. don't be blinded by the shiny things. Right. right? I exactly. think there are a lot of shiny things in the startup scene yep. today. Yeah. Right. And then all it, the PR and all. Oh this my stuff. God. This uh, hackathon. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. thing is like, hello, dude, wake up. Lah. Just yeah. go spend time and <laughs> do your business. Get to know your customer. Build your product. Right. right? Exactly. Stop going for all these kind of rubbish. Right. right. So, I, I, okay. I'm not saying that they're bad. You know, yep. I, I think it's good you go and expose yourself sure. see new things right. get to know what's going on but don't spend day in day out one hackathon after another yeah. you know one event after another go for one or two right. just get yourself exposed and then do what you need right to do. right exactly right so is that the same for like the whole social enterprise scene yeah I think um, like a lot of shiny things sh- you know of course yeah. right um, I think you know there's become like a blur of lines between social enterprise non-profits and for-profit like I said from the start I think they're all the same um whether or not you start a social enterprise, a charity, a non-profit, a for-profit, um, it's not for everyone. Um, but I think I do think that if you uh, have the skills, the knowledge, and the passion to run an organization, you can run in both sectors because they pretty much operate the same way. Yeah, um, and, and and so and I, you know I would encourage anyone, everyone to give a try on both. Right? Mm-hmm. Maybe if for-profit entrepreneurship doesn't work for you, then. Instead of going back to work for someone else, hey, why don't you try the social enterprise way? <laughs> <laughs> you know, promoting, ah, uh, promoting, promoting, right? Uh, you can pulling all the talent. Yeah, be a social entrepreneur. Join. We the just gang, need more right? talents in this space. Yeah, you know, yeah. if uh, we've got all the talent, um, I'm I'm very optimistic about the future. Yeah, I'm very. Do, very do you feel that talent is one of the things that you're lacking? Of course, like, I mean the whole world is lacking talent, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, no, like specifically, I mean like for. The social enterprise for sure a hundred percent it's yeah. just i think the number one thing is because people think that if i were to join a social space you know like i would always remain poor right mm-hmm. i think that's the idea around it but that's just simply not true right if you look at some of the um uh, biggest uh, best most successful uh, charities and non-profit organizations around the world um their their leaders are being paid very very fairly um, and that's because, you know, they, they, the company want to retain all these talents. But if you were to pay people peanuts, you will always get peanuts, right? Yes, so yes. I Okay, I, recently I thought about this thing, right? Um, yeah. Because if you think about it, poor is a relative concept, right? right. Rich is also a relative concept, depending right. on how you define what is rich, what is right. poor. But the thing about the startup space mm-hmm. is the startup space is a bit like a toto, 
Right. Right. If you if you can, then this is like, whoa, it's like a home run, you know. Yeah. You know this thing. Right. And and um, the social enterprise space, or I would even consider, honestly, I consider a lot of the social enterprise uh, entrepreneurs are very much just working. Right. There isn't that upside excitement, mm. you know, for that. Right. In that sense, right? right. Of because there's no equity involved. Mm. There is no like, you know, huge paychecks. The yeah. reality is what you just said. It was fair. Right. We're not acceptable. Right. It's not like it's not like good. Right. You know, it's like not like exciting. Right? right. So, do you feel that that is, you know, one of the fundamental issue because you, we live in a capital world, right? Sure. Okay, city, huh? Right. So, because there's no like upside excitement that mm-hmm. you guys are always struggling to recruit people. Uh? Yeah. Right. Just just so I get your question right, do you mean like, like in the social space, people don't get excited about money? Or like what 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 was the question? Like, again? you know, um everybody have their own excitement, right? Yeah. That what what things drive them, right? right? So for you at this point that's very purposeful. Right. right. A, a lot more on the, the slightly more spiritual, more soft side of things, right? right? Uh, right. Not as not as like what it concrete. Right. You know, in my right. sense. Not in the not in a bad way. Right, right. But it's like you know, money is very concrete, right? Right, right, right. Right. right? So if the social enterprise sector cannot provide that upside excitement of you know wealth, yep, then you will forever struggle with like getting a big bunch of people, right? right? Which is why like all the big banks have all the big talent, right? Sure. But all these guys they're not doing any productive thing, in, right? You know, in in the market, right? right. In, in society, correct? Right? Correct. They're just you know speculating and making money in that right. sense, right? So well, I think um, there are a lot of talents out there that have kind of move past the stage where um, like money drives them. Um, and these are exactly a talent I think the social space needs, right? Um, and so, you know, I think it's a phase in life, right? There will be a stage where you make a lot of, and I know a lot of investment bankers and people who have made a lot of money are moving into social space right now. And, and that's actually a good thing. So sure, if we want to target uh, you know, attracting and hiring all these people that are still in the face of like, okay, money is the most important. I got to build my personal wealth at this stage. Then, you know, we're not going to get them at this stage. And we're going to go after the ones that are probably more purpose driven, that maybe purpose first. And then the second um, building financial wealth or those that already kind of accumulated, uh, you know, a bit of wealth, comfortable, not a lot, but comfortable enough to say, Hey, you know, now maybe it's time for me to use my skills um, to help build something uh, that can, you know, make an impact in the world. So those kinds of people, is unfortunately, there's not much, not many out there. Uh, and that's why there's a, um, there's a whole, you know, shortage of all these talents in the social space right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you happen to fall into the camp that already made some money? No. Uh, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I'm waiting wish. Yin, right? I already made some money. You know, I can like <laughs> dedicate my life to... No, to, no. To, so so it, it doesn't concern you? It does. I mean, um, a lot of people look at me and like, wow, you know, you're so noble. You don't care about money and stuff. Uh, I do care about money a lot, but I care about money because, and I still want to make money. Not because I want to buy myself a big house, drive fast cars and stuff, but because I want to make sure that I can continue doing what I love and I can be able to bring my family on vacations without having to worry about stuff. Not just, you know, go to Thailand and shop for a few days. I want to bring my family to have a good lifestyle, right? You know, enjoy themselves in expensive places. And so that's something I still want to do. And I think I can do that while running a social enterprise. Um, and 
whether or not the money comes from the organization, reaching a stage where I get to pay myself um, a fair paycheck for my skills and you know my effort and stuff, or doing side projects. I'm currently doing a few consulting side projects, you know, getting a bit of money. I'm a freelance. I'm also doing freelance right now. Uh, and hopefully, you know, if I get better at speaking, you know, after doing a few podcasts like that, I get <laughs> some uh, speaking engagements, all these, you know, I get to uh, have different uh, ways where I can earn money. So, you know, it doesn't mean that I'm in the social enterprise space. I will only have to depend my money, you know, from the organization itself. There's a lot of places where I can use my skills, my experience from learning in these social spaces um, and then build my wealth from there. So... That's cool. That's yeah. cool. So for everyone that wants to, you know, explore this idea of social enterprise, you know, definitely um, come on and be open about it, right? Just go go around and just ask around. I think a lot of the social entrepreneurs these days are a lot more like a prominent. You could see yeah. them around, you yeah. know, they're on the bus sticker, right? You see them, <laughs> uh, it's like, uh, so, so they're, they're, they're everywhere, right? Yeah. And uh, it is a good thing. I fundamentally think we need more talent in the space, yeah. you know, um, but I also come from the camp that you we need to revisit the incentive structures. Sure. We need to see um, how to incentivize talent to come into this space, right? right? And uh, that, which is why I ask a lot of these questions, sure. right? So thanks for sharing with us. Yeah, so to wrap up, you know, I just want to give you some time to just kind of share with us where can we contact you? Where can we support you? And, you know, what are some other coming projects from your organization? So, um... The, the best way to just reach out to us is go directly to our website. It's at www.booksbeyondborders.org. Um, we collect and sell quality donated books. So if you have like books that you want to give, um, let us know. We can schedule a pickup from you. Or if you're looking for a new read, um, feel free to check us out. We've got some great quality selection of books on our site. Um, we're also on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, if you search Books Beyond Borders, you get to see our page popping up. Pretty sure it's the first one. <laughs> um, and we are doing some you know, great projects uh, in, in, in the next few months. So COVID has changed a lot of things, not just for us in Singapore, but also for the communities that we are supporting in Nepal. Um, we are still raising money using all our net profits to fund projects like um, something we fund in the last two months. So one project we funded was, um, so now that the schools are shut, right, in Nepal, and the students don't have the, priv uh, don't have the privilege of using things like Zoom and internet and stuff, so we funded, we co-funded uh, a radio program where the teachers record their lessons over radio and then partner with radio stations, um, blasting them out um, to reach all these students living in um, isolated communities. That's one project we co-funded. We are look, looking at it and tracking the progress. Um, we just funded last month about 2,000 workbooks. It's all created by um, local teachers. And then it's actually right now, it's on the way to deliver to some of the villages. So, um, you know, if you check out our Instagram or uh, Facebook page, you get to see some pictures some videos um, of how we put all our profits to work. That is so cute. <laughs> that is so cool. We, we, after this, we're going to talk about it. Okay, sure. like, like, let's see if we, uh, our community can work with you guys. So Super thanks for cool. tuning in. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you. Thank you so Bye. Hey, I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful, interesting when shared, debated and discussed. I hope you would share what you've gained with people you love and I want to hear from you. 
Give me some questions and help me along with building a community of financially savvy coconuts. I hope together we can fulfill our curious minds and desire for clarity. Join our community Telegram group, reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, and sign up our weekly newsletter. Everything is in the description below. If you enjoy the podcast and if you want to keep us growing and stay independent, do buy us Kofi at Kofi.com. With that, have a great day ahead. Stay tuned next week and always remember, personal finance can be chill, clear, and sustainable for all. Hey, uh, wow. Hope you guys enjoyed your time with uh, Randall. It was real nice. Um, never knew my secondary school friend would turn out to be so cool. And yeah, he's been through a lot and I'm sure he shared a lot with all of us. And I hope you pick up some things here and there. You know, it's uh, the idea of like long interview, right? It's, it's all these kind of content. Sometimes it's a bit hard to chop also. So just also let us know if you're enjoying these things. If you're enjoying, definitely reach out to us on Telegram group and just let us know. Of course, uh, also check out booksbeyondborders.org to get some cool books here and there. I think... By the time you're listening to this, we have already cemented our partnership. So yeah, it's going to be nice. They have a lot of good books, a lot of good non-fiction books. So every week, they're going to publish one um, recommendation on our newsletter. So if you're not on newsletter yet and you want to, you know, kind of be in the ecosystem of seeing what books Beyond Borders are recommending you to read this week, definitely head over. And of course, um, do know that they only have one or two books each, right? Every time they publish something, they only have one book, two books um, because it is very much based on donation. So every time you see the book and you want it, go get it. You know, $5, $10, $15. It's real cheap, secondhand book and you support the a course, you know, that they are pushing for. So yeah, I hope you enjoy. I hope you can continue to support them and support things that are interesting and, you know, just kind of makes the world a better place. Okay, and Next week, okay, so recently a lot of people have been asking about gold, 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 right? Because all over online people are talking about gold. And am I in an investor in gold? I do invest a little bit of my money in gold, something like a 10% to 20%, all right? So I'm going to share with you why I do it and some of the realities, you know, when you're looking at gold, right? Some some hard truths, right? some things that I don't even know how to elaborate because it's just, this is what it is, law. gold is like that, right? So, um I had some fun recording next week's episode and I'm sure you're going to learn some interesting things, you know, about gold and realize that, you know, there are different, different investment strategies because Buffett doesn't really buy gold. Okay, next week we'll talk about it, right? A lot of people are raving, Buffett buys gold, but nope, 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 it's a bit different. Uh, and Dalio believes in like gold, you know, and the whole like, asset allocation strategy. Different people have different strategies. There's no one way to do it. So next week we're going to talk about gold realities. I hope to give you more insights. And meanwhile, take care. See ya. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.